the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferrets Tove, financial literacy educator and speaker, entrepreneur, and chairman of the board of a bank in formation. Take charge of your financial future with Your Personal Bank. Now here's Ferrets Tove. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. Well, recently... Biden uh, shared his uh, State of the Union address, and there was a whole lot of stuff in there that I feel like we need to unpack. Many of you, I don't know how many of you actually listened to it. I'm going to tell you straight up, you didn't miss anything <laughs> or anything out of it that was unexpected. How's that? Um, I almost didn't watch it myself because I didn't really expect anything new, and, and I'm, in that respect, I was correct. But there's a lot of things that were in there that I think need to be addressed that are important, particularly economically uh, for Americans and looking at the economy and how things are going going forward. And I think it's very important to focus on those things. So I'm going to try to do that. And like I said, as I always do, try to cut through the noise and really talk to you and discuss with you, you know, what 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 is really going on or what can we really expect? So here we go. So first thing, I'll, first thing I need to address, though, is it's one of these claims that uh, <clears throat> that and, and this this is going to lead into the uh, State of the Union address. But this whole claim about Social Security has nothing to do with the, the deficit and national debt. And this is really important because there was actually a recent uh, Instagram post and it, it got a lot of attention. And and it was talking about, you know, it, it was it was a liberal claiming that uh, the um, how should I say the Republican Party? There, there's this. There's been this uh, talking point with the Democrats for decades, literally, that they're going to cut Social Security and Medicare. And even in the uh, in the uh, State of the Union address, if they, if you did hear anything about it, you probably did hear that portion. That was probably one the most interesting portion of the whole speech is when when Biden started talking about how some Republicans wanted to cut Social Security, and Medicare. And he got roundly booed. I mean, it was it was loud. I mean, uh, Marjorie, uh, Marjorie Taylor Green fa- Green famously yelled out "liar" um, <clears throat> because they've because the Republican Party has come out and stated they're not going to touch uh, Social Security, and Medicare uh, in this uh, whole debt ceiling negotiations. They've already come out publicly and stated that. Now, that's not a position I agree with, but they have stated that, and Biden trotted this out and. In real time, you saw the pushback, and, and that was actually interesting because, you know, most State of the Union addresses are usually pretty boring affairs. It's a speech. Everybody politely claps or cheers or stands or sits, depending on their position. But this was actually real feedback in real time. So that part was interesting to watch. And even Biden, you know, walked it back in real time and said, well, I guess we're all in agreement that we're not going to touch Social Security Medicare. And and pretty much that was the agreement in the room. But that that whole idea still permeates. And so this 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 comment on 
I think it was on Instagram or whatever. It said, uh, said, Dear Republican Party, if you take or cut our Social Security, I'll bring a lawsuit against you for all the money taken from my paychecks. That's what the Post say it stated. Social Security has nothing to do with the deficit or the national debt. You created that fiction, and I'm not falling for it. And it, like I said, it got a ton of attention. The problem is this is a lack of, of fiscal education or fiscal, and, and I run, uh, you know, fiscal financial literacy. And, and sadly, it's very, very common. See, the reality is, <clears throat> yes, Social Security is funded from primarily from uh, funds that are taking, taken from people's paychecks, okay? That's your FICA and FUTA and all that stuff, right? And it's also matched. Many employees don't realize this, but it's matched by the employer. So anyone who's an employer understands this. So the money is coming from the employee and the employer. In fact, this whole comment section doesn't talk about anything about the employee. I'm sorry, the employer contributions at all to the system, to Social Security and all that. Well, anyway, like I said, Social Security has actually run a uh, an annual deficit since 2010 because, see, what happens is it, it's far more intertwined than most people realize. In other words, from 1984 to 2009, this is important to understand, important to know, Social Security ran a surplus, meaning it actually collected more in annual revenues from the employers and the employees than each year that it paid out in benefits. So in other words, more money was coming into the system than they were actually paying out, which was smart because Social Security trustees understood that there was a large baby boomer population that was going to, you know, when they once they got older and got to retirement years, which were there, um, they were going to have to, you know, cover those, uh, cover those benefits, right? The problem is the surplus, the surplus that was supposed to be held in reserve for that with Social Security was actually borrowed by the federal government, by the rest of the government. In exchange, what happened is they gave Social Security special treasury bonds, okay, to redeem in the future. Okay, so so understand this. Through 1984 to 2009, Social Security was bringing in more than it was putting out. And then the government, instead of keeping that excess, that surplus for future payments that they knew were coming due just because of demographics, instead the federal government, you know, they couldn't resist an opportunity to spend money, right? They took that money, they took that surplus, and gave, gave them bonds, treasury bonds, special bonds to keep in reserve and redeem. So, again, I'm trying to cut through the noise here, forget the politics. These are the facts. These are the numbers. But here's the problem. Since 2010, Social Security's actually been running a deficit each year, which means, again, it's collecting less in revenues than it's paying out. So each year it's been redeeming a portion of those bonds that, that the government gave it to pay the benefits. Well, the, pro- the, the problem is this, and I sh- share this constantly on this show, is the federal government has no money. None. The money they receive is from taxpayers, okay, what taxpayers pay into the system, and money they print, all right? And because they spent the excess Social Security funds that were collected through uh, 1984 through 2009, the surplus, they the federal government has to pay for that, So and they already spend more than they take in each year because 
our federal government has a spending problem. That's the bottom line. Where do they get the money to pay out those the benefits since 2010? Well, it's printed. It's borrowed, which means that contributes to inflation, which, of course, we've all been dealing with in a significant way over the past year and a half. So the reality is this, is first of all, this person who said, hey, I'll sue you if you cut my Social Security benefits because I put the money in the system. Well, first of all, you only put half the money in the system. Your employer put in the other half. Okay? That's the first thing to understand. Secondly, yes, the system was putting more in, you know, was collecting more than it was receiving from 1984 through 2009. But since 2010, it's been running a, a deficit. And by the way, that surplus, instead of wisely putting it away, you know, most people, financial responsible folks, when you have an excess, you have a surplus, and you know you're going to have a rainy day in the future, you know you're going to have more expenses down the road in the future, like, let's say, retirement, you put some extra money away. That's what investing is all about, right? Right? So that you have money in the future to put away and um, spend. Well, our government can't, can't manage to be that, that uh, financially responsible. they got to spend it. So they did. They borrowed it from the excess funds from Social Security, spent those, gave them bonds, and now they're, they're, they're redeeming those bonds each year to make up the difference to pay it, okay? So the reality is this person, if they sue, they're going to lose because, again, half, they only contributed half. And then the rest, uh, the other half was contributed by the employer that they wor- employers that they worked for, and uh, the government, the extra money has been spent. It's gone, Okay. And now it's on borrowed dollars, so it's, it's, it's exacerbating the whole inflation problem. Folks, that's why this whole situation needs to be addressed and needs to be, it's going to have to be fixed, okay? There, is, there are no two ways about it. It's just plain and simple. The, the Social Security, I'm not trying to say this to scare anyone, but this is from the Social Security trustees themselves. They're stating the way things are going without significant changes to the system, that they are going to be at a deficit or they're going to run out of extra monies, these extra bonds that I was talking about earlier that the government gave them in 2035. Folks, that's not that far away, okay? So my point is they've got a dozen years or so to fix this problem or, or Social Security will not have the money to pay out full benefits most estimates are at that point, if they don't do something to fix it, the benefits will be somewhere around 75% of what they're currently paying or significant increases of taxes will have to come into play and or uh, reduction in benefits. And, my, and if, if I was a betting person, I would probably guess it's going to be a combination of both to fix the problem. And the, and the real problem is the longer this can gets kicked down the road, so to speak, the longer we wait to, um, how should I say, address the problem, the more radical the solutions are going to have to be. And, you know, it's, it's, and that's why I was so disappointed in the State of the Union address that, one, first of all, the Republicans already publicly stated they were not going to deal with it. And then in the state union address, it brought it to the forefront even further. In other words, you're just kicking the can down the road, which means it's going to cause a bigger problem down the road in about a decade or so. 
So those are the facts. That's what's actually, those are the numbers. That's no, no politics, no BS. That's what's going on. That's the math of Social Security. So what's the solution? Folks, the best thing you can do is plan for the worst and hope for the best, right? That's all we say, hope for the best, plan for the worst. Well, what's a well, worst-case scenario? As I stated earlier, it, the worst-case scenario is it's the, the problem is not addressed in time to fix it, and re, uh, benefits are reduced by about 25% from where they are now. And so you have to be prepared to make up that difference in your uh, retirement, whether you're already retired or nearing retirement. So, again, one of the... One of the best solutions uh, is diversification. If your money's all you know too much at risk, or too much of your funds are at risk, having having to make sure you've locked in the the a certain portion of the money to make sure you have that income coming in no matter what. Your personal bank certainly can do that. Among other things, annuities are another solution, and there are others. If you want more information on any of this, contact me at toll free eight six six two six eight four four two two or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422. Stay tuned in the next segment. i got a lot more stuff to cover, and I think you're going to find it very interesting, so don't miss it. For more information on Your Personal Bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And I'm really um, going to discuss some other things that I, I think are of real importance here. Um, I, I got to admit, I, I believe I probably shared, and I'm kind of tooting my own horn here, but if you want to really understand what's going on with Social Security, how it works, what to expect, what's going to happen if Congress does or does not do address the issue, because it is coming up. It's coming up in the next decade or so, and there is certainly, if, if nothing is done, there's going to be a reduction of benefits of about 25%. That's not politics, folks. That's math, okay? This, has got, this is something that's going to be addressed. Whether we address it or not, it's going to be addressed, okay? And you have to plan accordingly. And if you missed it, I'm going to just encourage you strongly, go to yourpersonalbank.com. You can listen to this or any of the previously recorded shows. Listen to the first segment of today's show. And I, it's one of the best explanations to help people understand really and truly how Social Security works and what the trustees are saying is where we're at and where we're going and the possibilities of what's going to happen. And so you can plan accordingly. It's one of those things. I'm not saying this or doing this to scare people or anything like that. My attitude is we're big boys and girls. If you give me the facts, I can deal with it. I can, I, I can address it and address it accordingly and it's like you know do you want me to you do you want me to tell you what you want to hear or what you need to hear i mean you got to have the facts to make um good decisions and that's that simple the thing that bothered me the most about the state of the union address is i to be to be fair straight up it's probably the best speech that i've heard biden give and I'm not about I'm not about Biden fan by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I'm against just about everything he does, every one of his policies he's ever incorporated. But to be fair, I haven't heard this a lot, 
a good percentage. I've seen polls showing upwards of 70% plus um, approved of his speech, at least moderately so. Uh, he did deliver. I don't do not agree with what he said at, by any stretch of the imagination. Please understand. I'm just talking about how he delivered it. He seemed he was on he was on point. He wasn't as befuddled as you we often are used to seeing him. Um, you know, he's certainly not the sharpest tool in the shed. I don't think he ever has been. Of course, he's 80 years old now. I mean, he's not a young man. Uh, but to be fair, he delivered. He did a good job. And um, and I think that's to the Ameri- for the most part America's detriment. In other words, what I mean by that is a lot of the stuff that he said sounded good, and the pre- and the and the uh, delivery was was relatively good. Comparison, spe- comparatively speaking, the what concerns me is for the low information voter, for the person that doesn't pay a lot of attention, they might hear a few clips from it at at best. And they're going to say, yeah, he seems to be on, on target pretty well. It sounds good. And a lot of the stuff he talked about was working with the other side and talking about, you know, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves, jobs, which I'm going to get on and talk about here for, for a minute because government does not, does not create jobs. But he talked a lot about this. Remember way, America, the way it used to be and possibilities and all that. And it sounded, it sounded good, I guess is what I'm saying. And for somebody that understands, pays attention to what's going on, thinks a little bit, and looks behind, the, below the surface, if you will, just a little bit, and, and, and gets into the facts. You recognize flat out that nothing he said was accurate by any stretch of the imagination. Yet, it sounds good on the surface, and if you don't pay that much attention, you're probably going to think, oh, okay, things are pretty positive or whatever, and that's bad because it's it's lack of education, it's lack of attention that's causing many of the problems that we're having and why people vote the way they do, and as I state all the time, to, to their own personal detriment, in my opinion. So, you know, that's that's my general initial reaction about, about uh, the speech in general. Now, one of the things that, uh, in that, what he's talking about, is jobs. Now, Here's the thing. The, the thing is about jobs is, first of all, the federal government does not create any jobs. That's an irritation. I've heard many politicians from both sides of the aisle talk about this. Oh, we're going to pass this bill and it'll create so many jobs. No, the federal government doesn't create job one. And in fact, if even if it's a federal job, it's paid for by taxpayer dollars or money they print. So it doesn't come from the government. It comes from you. comes from the taxpayers, us. Okay. So they don't create anything. Businesses create jobs. Now, really, all the government can do is get out of the way. It's a matter of how well or poorly does the government get out of the way of business to create jobs in the economy. And uh, there's some strong facts showing that he, Biden, for example, claimed that he created 12 million jobs. Well, that's not accurate at all. In other words, it's quite simple. If you look at it, prior to the pandemic, we had jobs were going, the jobs were steadily increasing. We had some of the best, you know, highest increases, uh, all time records, of course, in terms of jobs and things like that. Then the COVID shutdown. Oh, and that's the other, my pet peeve. You talked about COVID shutdown. 
the economy. COVID did no such thing. I was ne- I was never aware that a, a virus could accomplish that. No, our federal go- our government shut down and state governments shut down the economy. Not COVID. COVID was the excuse. Okay. So my point is, what happened was there were, the jobs were kicking along. Then co- then the government shut down the, the economy using COVID as the excuse, which dramatically reduced the number of jobs. Obviously. And then they bounced back up, okay? They bounced back up, obviously, as things, the economy and whatnot started getting uh, better, right? But what happened was, and once the uh, once the Biden, the the how should I say, the uh, the policies, the Biden um, administration policies went into effect, they started going up slower. And the reality is they've just recently got back to where they were back in 2020 prior to to the COVID shutdowns, okay? So the reality is today we have about 3 million more jobs than we had prior to the uh, to the cut da- shutdowns, okay? And so it isn't 12 million new jobs. There's 3 million additional jobs over the last 24 months. Let's, okay, those are the numbers. Those are the facts, okay? And if you think about it that way, and, that, and again, those are the fact. The other nine million of that twelve million that Biden's trying to claim were just jobs that had been shut down that came back that returned because of the COVID shutdowns. So the reality is, the three million new jobs have have been added to the economy over the last twenty four months, and that's a really really poor record in terms of new job growth. It's very poor. I'm going to talk about some other things. We're running up against a hard break here. I need to share that I think it's going to be super valuable. Again, the state of the economy, okay, and what it, what it's really like. The best way to navigate that, I think we're in for some, I still believe, we're still in for some tough times before it gets better. And I've got some more reasons why. And, again, I'm an optimist, so I don't like sharing this kind of stuff. But this is what I can't, I can't ignore the facts. If you want to learn how to navigate this and thrive through all this, contact me at toll-free 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, 866-268-4422. Like I said, stay tuned in this next segment. You're gonna, not going to miss this because i got some information, frankly, eye-opening. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Tooth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And the next thing I want to discuss is this is particularly galling. So recently Biden was asked by a reporter, are you, is he taking blame for inflation? And his response was amazing. It was no. And the reporter asked, well, why not? And he, he stated, well, because it was already here when I got, it was already there when I got here, man. And that is such a, that's a flat, bald-faced lie. There's just no two ways about it. And here's here's why. Quite simple. The fact, you know, facts you can agree with them or not. They don't care what your opinion is. Facts are facts. And the first fact is inflation. Okay, let's start with that. In December of 2022, I'm sorry, December of 2020, which is the last full month that Trump was in office. The rate of inflation was 1.4%, okay? 
The first day Biden was in office, as we all know, he killed the Keystone Pipeline. He he did he uh, suspended federal oil gas leases. He hiked drilling fees on federal land and mandated all federal vehicles be zero emissions. This was all on the very first day. Okay, so what happened is then the next, how should we put it, the next uh, six months, okay, his first six months in office then, inflation went from 1.4% to 5.4%. And then in 2022, it got as high as 9.1% in June of 2022. Now, Biden's response statement was, well, inflation has been going down for the past six straight months. That is true, but it's gone from 9.1 down to 6.5, okay? 6.5 is not a good inflation number by anyone's measure, especially when you take the Federal Reserve, whose mandate is 2%. So that's over three times high above what is considered normal inflation. And when you look at the average for 2022, is 8%. And the average for 2020 was 1.2%. Who's at fault for this? <laughs> the fact is, you can maybe, I, I don't see how you could logically argue the point who's at fault. But the fact was it was already here. That is a flat, bald-faced lie. Inflation was at 1.4%. Actually, for 2022, the av- and average for the year, for 2020, the year, the year prior to Biden's presidency, the... Um, the inflation was 1.2% that year to the average. And his and two years later, it was 8%. And his first six months in office, it went from 1.4 to 5.4. Okay, and that was before the war in Ukraine or anything. Okay, he tries to blame that too. It was his actions that he took and policies that caused inflation to increase and go up to 40-year record highs. And it definitely, most definitely, was not there when he arrived. It was not. That is a bald-faced, flat-out lie. And some people say, well, you know, a president shouldn't be able to get credit for a good economy, so he doesn't deserve the blame for a bad one. But, again, because of the actions he took causing increase in energy prices day one, he definitely, in this case, deserves much, if not all, of the blame. Now, and, and many economists have also at po- pointed out that his pandemic relief policies, including the American Rescue Plan, exacerbated matters. It just threw gas on the fire. It threw more money into the system, creating higher inflation. I mean, the definition of inflation is too many dollars chasing goods and services. So by definition, his actions, his policies, his administration's policies created and fanned the flames of higher and higher inflation. Okay, again, thankfully, the last six months, it's been going down each month, but going from nine percent, going from one percent to nine and then back to six and a half. That is not a good record by any stretch that no one can look at it that. And then that kind of brings us to the gas prices. He, he's also discussed this saying it was high when he got there. The average gallon of gas, according to AAA, when Biden took office was two two dollars and thirty eight cents a gallon. And today it's 346, okay? That is a 46% increase from when he took office about two years ago. Yes, it was higher. It peaked. It peaked this last summer. And it's come down since from the peaks of around $5 a gallon. But again, three and a half is not good. 
I mean, when you go from two, two, rough, little under two and a half to five back to three and a half, that is not good. And again, his actions of, of reducing supply had a much to do with what the gas prices were. And, and even his State of Union address, it was, it was absolutely laughed at when he was talking about oil and gas companies saying what he was telling them they didn't want to uh, drill because, you know, they were going to get shut down. He said, well, we're going to need oil and we're going to need gas for, uh, oil for another 10 years. And he was roundly laughed at. And to give you an idea how out of touch he was, he was like, oh, and even maybe even longer. And they laughed even further. It, I've got to come back in the next segment. I've got to finish this thought because it's so powerful. Contact me, toll free 866-268-4422 or your personal bank for more information. Don't miss the last of this thought. I'll see you on the other side. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Tooth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And I, I, finished, I got up on a hard break, and I was getting on a really key point of, about something that happened in the State of Union Address that I haven't heard anybody else discuss, and I think a lot of people missed. And uh, it was to me, it was extremely eye-opening. And, and here, here it was. It was that point, and then you may have seen some of the highlights on it, and where Biden was talking about, he even ta- discussed about why he was talking about record profits of oil and gas companies. And he was complaining because they were getting record profits because they weren't taking the, the, their proceeds and reinvesting and drilling more. Now, he's done a lot to reduce drilling, increasing costs and fees and delays and everything else. He didn't discuss that. But the, he did say, you know, they, he's talked to a lot of these um, companies, and they've told, well, we, we don't want to drill because you're, you're telling us you're going to shut, us, shut it down. And he said, no, man. He goes, we're going to need oil for at least another 10 years. And he got roundly laughed at in the room. I mean, it was, and, but here's a part that I don't think a lot of people realize. He was getting laughed at. And so he realized, I think, the, the mistake of his statement. And so he said, and he goes, no, for real, maybe even longer. In other words, he's so much in a bubble, I believe, that he really thinks he's arguing people who think we're going to need gas for maybe 10 years or less. And the reality is we're going to need it oil for decades. And he's so much in the bubble, he has no clue. He thinks he's arguing, and this is key, folks. He thinks he's arguing, trying to convince people we're going to need it longer when he doesn't even realize that they're telling, they're laughing at him because that's we're going to need it so much longer than a decade it's it's a joke because of where technology is and everything else and where greed energy is at and all those things. But he's so much in the bubble, he thinks he's arguing the point the other way. He thinks that pe- people, you know, they think they're not going to need it for the next decade. And I think this is important. This is important insight into his thinking because, again, he's so much in the bubble and he's around so many people that are so against, you know, traditional oil and gas and all that kind of stuff, energy sources and are so for green energy that they've, they've got him convinced that we're going to be able to make this switch in the next few years, and it's just completely and totally unrealistic. He's just in la-la land, okay? Complete and totally la-la land, okay? 
So the other thing we need to discuss, I think is so important, you know, I've discussed previously inflation. Inflation started after Biden, his first six months in office. It went from 1.4% to five over 5%, okay? It wasn't there when he took office. That's just a flat lie, even though he claims it was. Um, gas prices, you can pretty much squarely place on his administration's um, actions and policies to reduce supply, okay? I mean, almost exclusively. But the other thing that you you can uh, we can discuss here is food prices. Now, Biden didn't talk a lot about that one, but the reality, he, he mentioned it briefly that that food prices uh, were coming down. Food inflation was slowing as well, I think he stated. Well, the reality is in 2022, food prices increased by 9.9%, according to the Department of Agriculture, and they predict in 2023 prices are predicted to increase between 7 and 16%, depending on what type of foods you're talking about. So in other words, the type of increases we saw last year, we're going to see similar, if not more, Next or 2023. Okay, so yes, prices have been falling a little bit recently, not much, and even his own USDA says they're about to go up again. So the reality is his statement was very misleading at best on food inflation. And then the last one that thing I think he's really talking about was was uh, take home pay. He's discussing how people are be able to bring uh, more, uh, uh, you know. Bring more home, right? Well, again, for people that don't think things through and just look at the surface, yes, it is true, in fact, that wages are increasing. Real People are taking home more pay overall. In fact, during his entire presidency, last two years, we'll put it that way, wages have increased by about 10% on average for the average American. Okay, but the problem is inflation at the same time, based on the government's numbers, has increased 14%. So no matter how you cut it, you're behind 4% over the last two years. Yes, you're taking home more dollars, but those dollars are now worth less. And again, that just takes one step of thinking, financial literacy, understanding, education, helping people understand, yes, your paycheck may be a little higher, but you're paying more, so much more for everything, like food, gas, etc., that you actually have less in your pocket afterwards. That's the key to, again, education, to helping people understand, um, really understand economic financial literacy. Look, I know a lot of the people I'm talking to, listening to here, I'm preaching to the choir, okay? But it's our, but it's our role. It's 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 our responsibility for those of us who do have some financial literacy, that do have some financial responsibility, to educate those who lack interest or lack understanding, whatever it may be, and take the opportunities. Not shoving it down their throat, but when you see opportunities, take advantage of those to try to do some education and help people understand. And this is the part, I've shared this before in previous shows, that I'm concerned about the most, about the future economy, particularly over the next year or two, because, again, I firmly believe that we're going to see things get worse before they get better. Will things get better? Yes, I'm not betting against America still. I know some have been giving up. And, yes, it's frustrating. 
but I, I'm, not, I'm not ready or willing yet to bet against America. But I do believe we're going to go through some tougher times than what we've seen, and here's why. The biggest reason why is about two-thirds of our economy is consumer spending, always has been. And the consumer is losing ground because of inflation, as I just stated. Average savings rates in, in the United States are now below, below the lowest levels we've seen since the bottom of the Great Recession. We have some of the lowest rates we've seen for um, real disposable income. I shared that in a previous show where we've seen the lowest levels of real disposable income, percentage-wise at least, since like 1932, which the midst the depths of the Great Depression. Real disposable income is key because that's the money people have to spend to buy stuff, anything beyond the basics, okay? In other words, we can't, went into this because of all the government spending a lot of extra money going into the system. Let me give you a really simple example. So the SNAP program, which is the welfare, uh, the uh, food stamp program is what it's called. Approximately right now, 40 million Americans are, are receiving food stamps. Now, first of all, that's really, really not something that should be proud of. That's embarrassing for a country like as, as wealthy as we are to have that many people that qualify for food stamps. But first of all, there's been a lot of fraud in the system. A lot of people have qualified. They've increased the made it easier and increase the numbers to qualify. So there's a lot of people, let's be, let's be frank, who uh, really don't belong in the system, really shouldn't have the benefits, for one, okay? But two, for the past three years, calling it quote-unquote COVID emergency, they've increased the benefits significantly by, like, I've looked at some of the numbers in many cases, almost tripling the benefits, the amount of money given out for food stamps. Well, guess what, folks? In the next few weeks, that's going to stop and go away. That's why this COVID emergency, the federal COVID emergency going away is key. Well, if you have 40 million people out there getting extra money for food, they're going to, you know, the only way to spend it pretty much is through food. And then um, there's, there's other, there's drug stuff in there. But I'm not going to get into that right now. The key is you got a lot of extra money going into buying food, which creates what? A lot of buyers. You've got inflation. You're going to have food inflation because of that. The cost of food goes up. Well, a lot of that's going to go away soon. All right? That will give us some possibly some temporary relief, at least on some price increases that we've seen on all of this food. But, again, it helps you understand why the system is why the government putting in so much money into the system is causing so much of this inflation. Also, when the consumers stop buying so much food and other things, it's going to cause a, slow, cause a slowdown in the economy. Okay? There's just no two ways about it. So I, you have to ask my opinion again. I get asked this all the time. I'm really, really concerned about 2023. And maybe even some of 2024. And then if we start to get some financial sanity, some financial responsibility, finally, for once, like the first time in my lifetime at least, 
some financial sanity and responsibility in our government, we might actually start to see some improvement. But until that happens, we will not see significant improvement, in my opinion, because where's the money going to come from? Where are the people going to have the money to buy things to keep the economy going? It's a it's something to be really, really concerned about. Okay, and again, I'm not trying to be a scare tactic or anything else, but it is a major cause of concern. Now, the last couple of things I want to share. It's just an embarrassment. This balloon thing that went across our entire country before Biden finally shot it down. That's just flat out shows weakness and indecision. That's embarrassing uh, for our country. Sends a bad message to bad actors out there. And it makes everyone less safe. Those are all things that are bad and I don't like, and it's not good for the future. But here's one I haven't, here's something else that's happened recently I have not seen get much press. Biden just slapped a 20 year mining ban on some Minnesota land, something like 200,000 acres in Minnesota, that has some of the biggest, how should we say, biggest reserves of rare earth metals in the country. Okay? over 225,000 acres of northern Minnesota forest land and has vast deposits of copper, nickel, and things like that that we need if, for this green energy revolution if indeed we're actually going, actually going to accomplish it. All that does, again, is make China stronger because they have access to more of those, those materials to create the solar panels and et cetera, the, the, uh, the electric cars and all that. It just why would why would Biden allow a Chinese spy balloon to travel the entire length of the country? Why would he shut down, you know, prime land that we would mine much more environmentally friendly than China will certainly minerals materials that we need to build the infrastructure if we are going to move towards green energy. Well, there's only one logical solution that you know, answer that comes to my mind is he's he's compromised and bought out by China. But uh, you know, you can think what you want about that, but I think the evidence is pretty pretty strong. And the last one I want to share today is just I, infuriating, but again, not surprising. So now that Fauci has apparently retired, he's now charging fifty to hundred thousand dollars per speech. You know, just follow the money, folks. If you want to, he got, became famous from, for this process, and now he's going to get paid very well as a quote-unquote motivational speaker. Folks, just follow the money if you want to understand why things are the way they are and why people do what they do, particularly in our current leadership in government. If you want to contact me and learn how to navigate all this, survive this, create positive cash flow, create positive arbitrage, reduce your risk, reduce your taxes, all that stuff, contact me at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422. And it's still on our money, so in God we trust. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com.
This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guest on this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Products and riders may have limitations and may not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Compare when considering a replacement. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. Contact yourpersonalbank.com for current rates. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.